Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. My name is Nizhdet Zadurian. I'm the editor of the creative tech section here at EVN Report. My guest today is Al Yesayan. Al is a serial entrepreneur who has built several companies in the United States and Armenia. Previously, he was the CEO of Intelonair, a company he founded, which also has a large presence in Armenia. He is currently the CEO of Cognize. Al shared with us the products his companies are working on and the insights he's gained from his long career in the tech industry. Thank you for listening. Al, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. No, it's my pleasure. Al, I want to start a little bit by hearing your perspective on how the tech ecosystem has really developed over the last 20, 25 years in Armenia. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're one of the people who's really been at the core of it from the beginning. Can you tell us the story of when you first started getting involved in uh, in tech in Armenia? Yeah, so I uh, came in 1999, uh, and uh, I came in 1996, and then I came back in 1999. And um, at the time, there was a mass immigration of, uh, you know, engineers and talented people. And so it was like, really my desire and desire of a bunch of other people to kind of create the employment, you know, good employment so that we wouldn't lose the, you know, the skilled workforce. So in the summer of 1999, there was an event at the basement of uh, the summer or maybe, maybe spring. There was an event at the basement of the Armenian church in New York where um, a few, few people had organized an event that people from all over the place joined which was really uh, a call to kind of create companies or send projects or whatever to stem the you know flow of immigration not just uh, tech in general primarily i mean i was in tech most people that were in the room were tech but um yeah i mean that was you know that was the primary sort of thrust and i remember at that at that meeting uh you know, Berj Ivazian out of Boston, he was, he was at that, I think at the time he was CEO of Yankee, Yankee Group or very senior executive. And uh, Berj basically stood in front of the door and said, you know, nobody leaves unless you commit to, <laughs> to, to creating jobs in Armenia. So, you know, every, pretty much everybody committed to doing something, either sending a project or that was the beginning of the Armenian High Tech Council. So that was the formation of the Armenian High, High Tech Council. And then and so a bunch of us across the country, mostly Silicon Valley in LA, but also Boston, we uh, organized a bunch of um, workshops, both here, and then we also brought people to, our, to America to train. Um, that's when I sort of started shifting my whole career to towards Armenia. It was a conscious decision to kind of be a part of building the country, uh, building the ecosystem. What were you doing at the time? I was the vice president and general manager of a company called LowerMyBills.com, which was a very successful, it yeah. became a very successful company and went, they exited in 2005. So, What was the first project that you implemented in Armenia? I mean, if, so with LowerMyBills, we sent some, you know, we sent some projects and then we brought some people to kind of, it was kind of an outsourcing, that was the only outsourcing thing I've ever done. I, I don't really believe in outsourcing too much, but... My first company I created was in 2000, and it was, let's see, so lower my view, so 2001, September 1 of 2001, 10 days before September 11th was my first company that I created called Creation Point. 
And then Creation Point became Creation Point Systems, and then we evolved it, and uh, it became Integrian, which VMware bought in 2010. Um, so that was the first project. I guess that's the first company I created. And it was based out of Armenia, or uh, we had we had people here, and we had people in uh, in California. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the first, uh, I guess, big startup that you that you founded, and then it became to be a, a have a large presence in Armenia was Intellinair. I guess. Um, no, actually, so Integrian was the one that that was the original one, right. and then that that one was bought by VMware, which now I guess they have. 300 some odd people here here and then the second one was the one after that was icon apps which was the first company that was building apps on the ios platform Mm -hmm. so we sent the first five armenians to the first apple developers conference Um, what year was that this was 2009 yeah 2008 9 and I remember vividly one of the guy, the one of the five guys that I sent. He said, "You know, you're spending like thirty thousand dollars for this one week of thing. Why? What if we don't stay with the company?" I said, "It doesn't matter. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna take energy, you know, the technology back to Armenia." So that's been sort of my philosophy, which is, you know, just build it, and you know, wherever it ends up, it ends up as long as it's in Armenia and people can, you know, create companies or whatever. That that's just been kind of my my mission which is just kind of help um inspire push whatever encourage for people to start their own things and start their own companies and not be afraid to to fail mm-hmm. you know um can you speak a little bit about why why you've decided to have your impact through entrepreneurship uh, you could have picked other avenues i suppose um I used to write plays like a long time ago when I was a kid. When I was in my twenties, I used to write plays and try. You know, I've you know, so I've staged three plays, and, um, wow. and so that was the angle. And I helped with a couple of films. And it's like okay, that's the angle. But later on, I've just realized that you know, through ent- entrepreneurship, is one of those things where it just brings a few things together, right? It it brings that whole courage thing, right? It's like you know, you. You really have to be crazy. Like even now, you have to be crazy to start your company, but crazy in a good way, right? Because uh, linear lives are quite boring, as far as for me, anyways, it was very boring. So that's one. Second thing is, it forces you to be a servant. Because if what? you can't, because if you can't take care of your customers, you go out of business very quickly, right? So it teaches you to to listen, teaches you to be humble teaches you to be of value rather than you're going to flip something, you know? Is that why it's desirable to be a servant because of those virtues that you obtain through it? I mean, I think servant leadership, which is what I talk about all the time is, um, is a choice, right? You know, plenty of people can do other things and not, I, I think the highest form of value creation and then also acknowledgement is service. Mm hmm. I mean, it's just something that I think I learned from my parents and it was always about, you know, don't look down on people because you never know, you might end up there. Right. (laughs) And that if you can help somebody, you know, help lift somebody, you should, and you should study very hard and make something of yourself so that you can be of service. It was always, that was the talk, right? I think in societies where volunteerism is, is high, like a high percentage of, 
population has feels like they it's that they need to do something for their community um they actively give money like there's a high level high level of trust um if not money their time which is i i think is a higher form of charity than than just giving money you see those societies tend to be softer softer meaning like it's easier to live in those societies right. because people tend to care for each other so what i've tried to do in armenia is just kind of bring myself crazy humor and whatever and just you know not take things too seriously and always go forward always just keep going forward keep pushing. You know, life is not life is organic life is not linear it's not like you do this and then do this and then do this you know all your best plans kind of go out the window when one crisis happens so i think that the form of self-reliance but at the same time understand that we're in interdependent on others like nobody there is no such thing as the person did it on it by himself that's all myth you know it's just myth mm-hmm. uh everybody's had had help yeah i mean just the fact that let's say if you're born in a family that provides you an education or provides you food yeah. right i mean that that comparative to somebody that didn't have that of course you're at an advantage right mm-hmm. so i think that you know like when you look at armenia sort of its its future you know a lot of it has to to do with how we treat each other like on a day to day and those micro actions like you know, when you're in the cab when you're at the restaurant the, when you get a good service do you actually acknowledge right then you know like they actually tell the guy or the gal thank you for a great service because what you're doing is you what you're trying to encourage and perpetuate is the positive and you you want to be treated that way and if and let's say you do make a mistake do you want people to just come down on you like a brick of walls or i mean wall of bricks i should say <laughs> or do you want them to just say hey you made this mistake but you know like you know are on smart top top right, right? right i think i think that culture uh, i'm going to go feedback. to my grave <laughs> promoting because it's just i think that acknowledgement wise we we are very uh, very stingy like hey, go to go to a concert right they'll blow the roof off and like eight people will clap it's like why did you even come <laughs> you know what do you think that stems from here i have no idea no. i i'm not a sociologist nor no. an anthropologist all i know is it's sick and it's disgusting if somebody's doing a good job it's your job your humanly job to acknowledge right <laughs> you know <laughs> whether it's a waiter or a somebody that shines shoes or somebody that delivers your food or somebody your teacher or whatever i think i think we're just very very stingy with with acknowledgement mm. in this society and i think we we're paying the price for it because it's it's very conflict prone right so i mean i see like the tension it's like yeah yeah so anyway one thing i'm curious about is if you look at um sort of armenia diaspora collaborations um or efforts from that that have stemmed in the diaspora to help armenia's development um the tech community and sector seems to have had some real successes uh, either bringing diaspora founded companies over to armenia or bringing different organizations and events to armenia is there something about tech or something about the community that you think was unique in the sense that that helped lend tech better to um, being successful in this regards? Or or maybe are there some lessons that you guys drew over the decades that uh, other fields and communities can can draw on to, to improve their collaborations? 
Yeah, I, can't, I can't really put my finger on, on it. I think so, so most tech people have gotten some sort of technical training, right? Engineering training, which is like problem solution, right? You're kind of thinking about problems, then you actually devise solutions, right? Then you kind of go and try whether it worked or not. I don't want to say everybody, but, but most tech people are kind of data-driven, right? They're like, what's working, what's not working? Right. You know, they look at patterns. I also want to say, acknowledge that, that a lot of the founding group of people that wanted this dialogue and this sort of collaboration to work were like really good people, like good humans. Mm -hmm. And I think, it, I think that's one of the ingredients of anything to work, that the people that are working, they have to be good humans, right? Like they're, like they're, then they're, they're committed, right? They're not like one mistaken or one problem or one failure and like we're out of here it's not worth right. it it's not right. whatever so i think that that long-term mindedness is is a was part and parcel of all the all the people that founded this, this sort of movement and long term i think it also kind of made sense right because you had you had technical work that people could work across the you know across the ways with each other. I remember, I have to tell this story, like first few years of my life in Armenia, we would send people with hard disks full of software because the internet was so expensive Man. that it was cheaper to fly somebody here with, you know, hard, hard disk drives and then take code back that way. So when people say it's so hard, then I go, but compared to what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all relative. Like you, you have yeah. to kind of think about it that way, right? So as far as like what we, I mean, look, um, one thing that people don't realize is that diasporans have lives. Right. And they live in different societies, right? They have their own, they have huge pressures. And I mean, when you live in Armenia, you have your own pressure, but it's Armenia, like everybody around you is Armenia. So you, obviously you're going to be more concerned with Armenia than like some somewhere else, right? But let's say you live in L.A., so you've got massive issues with LA itself, right? Traffic, expenses, violence, everything, right? Just, you know, you just, those are the, your daily reality is not Armenia. Right. So some portion of your focus is Armenia. I mean, even if people that actually care about Armenia, like they're like, they'll take one, they can only take so much of their focus. That's why I try to spend so much time here because it's like when you're there, that 12-hour time difference, no matter how much you are committed, it's it's hard, right? Try to, like, organize things. Like, it's like nine reschedules, you know? Yeah. So that's one. Secondly is um, I think that we have to go from this culture of expectations. Like, you, you expect things for people versus desires, versus wanting, you know, we want to do something and, and try to find you know, avenues where you can collaborate. I mean, I think everybody everybody cares, of course, to a certain level. It's not like, it's like you know, they, they take hard route and, no, you know, some proportion says they don't care. No, everybody cares. Yeah. The question is, what what bridges is Armenia creating? And Armenia has to create, Armenia is a state, right? Armenia is a st that it has some wherewithal, right? Like, to do uh, projects and stuff like that. I mean, diaspora in the... In the purely diaspora sense, I mean, of course, I'm a di I mean, I was born in Iran and then I was raised in in the U.S. Um, I kind of look at it like from very pragmatic perspectives, right? I go, okay, what can you do? Okay, all right, you can adopt a village, and like literally for like 20 years, 
So that's why I made my 40-year commitment in 99. I said, I'm committing for 40 years. Because everybody, everybody that I was talking to were like, okay, we'll do this project. And then, and, I was like, and then for me, the long-term commitment is, is very important. Because it's a country. It's not a... It's, it's not it a community takes, center. Or like a, it takes time. It takes, it takes time to change minds. Like I've been talking about the seven habits of highly effective people since 99, right? And I've brought, I don't know, maybe 500 copies of that book and I've given it, you know, as, as gifts to people. It's still, still like, I mean, like what? You know, they ask questions, fundamental questions that is like, it's in the book. Like, it's not like I, uh, I was born with it. You right, know? Right. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket. It's not right. rocket science, and it's also a matter of practice, mm -hmm. right? You can't. I mean, look, I, I, I just reread that book for the ninth time, I think, with my Cognace team. And you know, believe it or not, it helps because you know you get a common language of collaboration. You get a common language of service. You get common language of wearing it together. Like you know, treat each other nicely. It's, it's all in there. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing new, really. I mean, it's, it's 5,000 years. Of, I mean, it's also in the Bible. It's also, if you go back that, it's in the, you know, whatever the religion of the Egyptians were and whatever. It's, 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 it's was Plato, like, Socrates. Yeah. Like, you read this, like, you read the Stoics, it's it's like, wow, this is new. No, it's not new. It's 5,000 years old. <laughs> so you have to, right. I mean, it begs the question, what is up with humanity? Right. Why can't they get a grasp of it? It's not that they can't. It's, it takes an effort. My conclusion is that human beings are lazy, including myself. So all things being equal, I'm not going to pick up a book and read it. I'll maybe watch, maybe I'll just go through like I mean, all things being equal, right? If there's no pressure or whatever, you're going to go from like one story to the other story on your, you know, Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, I have to be careful because... <laughs> You know, Armenia is like, that's the only channel of <laughs> communication. Yeah. But it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. It's like, what, why is it that we're still killing each other over stuff, you know? But it is what it is. I won't, I don't think I'm <laughs> going to be able to solve that problem. Right. <laughs> solve but realizing more. that, how do you, how do you motivate your teams when you've come to that conclusion already? Motivate myself first. I meditate mm. every morning. I, you know, I do my deciding on what I'm going to be every day. I go out send be love and light mm -hmm. that's what i do um but you just have to remind yourself right because there's plenty there's plenty of things to be happy about too right so find the things that you can be happy about no it's not all bad. i I'm, i mean recently i wrote something on facebook i said you know um you know, like extreme optimism and extreme you know pessimism they're the same thing hmm. How so? they, they both say don't do anything extreme optimists say you know it'll be fine so you don't take any action Extreme pessimists say everything is shit, and no matter what I do, it's everything shit. So I'm not gonna do anything. Yeah. It's the extreme realists in the middle that are like, okay, what's the problem? What's the solution? Let me take some action, take the solution, stuff like that. So it's if you surround yourself with those types of people, you'll be fine. Hmm. Okay. In any condition, you'll be fine. Okay. Um, let's get to uh, your companies. Recently, you transitioned from mm -hmm. as the CEO of Intellinair to the CEO of Cognais. Um, I think it's an interesting sort of uh, story in the ecosystem because there aren't too many cases where um, an experienced exec takes over uh, as a CEO role in a maybe not here and another <laughs> and here. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a nice sort of maturation point for the ecosystem. Maybe I mean it's it's quite simple actually. Yeah. I, you know, I personally believe that. Uh, 
I personally don't have an interest in being the CEO for longer than seven years. I think it's just, uh, I actually learned this from uh, Dr. Vartan Grigorian, who wrote My Road Home. He said like, in his life, he was like anything that was like seven, eight years long as a project, he would just start agitating for like succession. And I think it's good for many reasons to, to have that sort of fresh mindset and stuff like that. In the case of Intelinary, it's like, we, you know, I really felt like at the time for transition was there and that we needed like a CEO that came from the ag industry. Mm-hmm. And I don't come from the ag industry. I'm not from the Midwest either. So it took 11 months to recruit Tim to become the CEO. He's, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. I can tell you he's making 10 times better decisions than I am. <laughs> I, I was. Mm-hmm. So that was that. And then as far as Cognizant is concerned, Vahe and I have been friends for like 10 years. So maybe, maybe longer. Uh, he tried to kill me by giving me a bad bike. No, no, no. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a running joke. He has a, like a really nice bike. Yeah. And I'm a novice. I wasn't a very good <laughs> bicyclist. So, um, yeah, he's been talking to me for a few years. And, and I wanted to spend more time in Armenia. Can you tell us a little bit about what, uh, what Cognaz does? What's the product you guys are Cognaz, uh, uh delivers actionable insights from unstructured data. So think about like a bank. You know, they get a lot of PDF documents or like, let's say if they want to give you a loan or whatever, there's a lot of stuff that they have to go through and they have to extract key information from different documents to then push to their models and say, yeah, you know, we're going to give you a loan and we're going to give you a, a loan at this rate or whatever. So, and so multiply that by millions of tens of millions of times, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a lot. It's a very human process. And so what Vahe and his team created is an AI, a set of AI steps if you will and very heavy duty with deep learning which is the most i guess most prevalent thing that is being talked about right now where they automate a lot of that process so they do a series of steps that automates that so instead of five thousand humans typing information it just extracts information and puts it in automatically it's, it's, it's basically called um, data automation mm-hmm. so you're trying like data as your key asset that now you can mine key information that then you can make better decisions based on. For example, if a company gets, you know, dozens of invoices a day, can Cognize extract out the key information and input it into an ERP, for instance, for a company? Yeah, that's a simple problem. There's many, many companies that do that. Simpler problem, I should say, because mm-hmm. most invoices are pretty structured. Right. Um, right. But we, we are dealing with like documents are like 250 pages long you have to go extract this thing from this table and that thing from right. that other table so it's just lo- it's a on the continuum of complexity it's a the sort more of like harder the more, problem. more yeah. hard problem yeah. what are some examples of organizations or companies that are using cognos today we don't discuss customers got it. no revenues nor number of people got it <laughs> <laughs> understood coming back to intelinair for a second one of the important pieces of Armenia's economy is agriculture. Did you guys have an experience trying to implement agrotech projects in Armenia, selling products to big agricultural um, companies here? There is really no big agricultural company in Armenia. I mean, the companies that we deal with are, have like thousands. Like, we, like this last year, we covered 10 million acres. Our, all of Armenia is 6 million acres. All right. of, like every, including Artsakh, I think it's 6 million acres. So there's really no big agro business here, but there's a lot of uh, good 
flora and fauna that could be documented. There could be a lot of environmental applications like, you know, river erosion or illegal sort of hex or, I mean, there's all sorts of, so earth, earth observation is a big, big field. It's not just agro. We've had multiple conversations with the government. I've on again, off again. Um, we've never done, we've never generated any revenues in Armenia. So, right. Is the issue that it would be impractical uh, to sell to sort of local farmers? And yeah, you can't. I mean, especially for an so even, scale. Even, but, yeah. even for India, it's hard to sell to local. I mean, because yeah. uh, Armenia is a small holder. It's called a, basically that's what it means. Like your, the average farmers, I think, is it's not even half a half an acre. Yeah. So, um, so in those instances, like in India, the government, local governments, or even the national government, buys these sort of technologies and then mm-hmm. provides services to the farmers. Right. In big agro income company uh, countries like the U.S., Argentina, Brazil, um, of course, there's large companies that most I mean, all of our companies are large companies in right. in the U.S. How how big is the team here in Armenia now in Talners? Don't the walls numbers. Don't the walls those <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Maybe after exit or something. <laughs> Got it. And there's a practical but reason, it, right, for that, right? I mean, obviously, it's you know people can count how much money you have, how right, much money did right. you raise, how many people do you have, and they can make. And I don't want to make it easier for for our Fair enough, competition. Yeah. But if you ask, I mean. Unfortunately, Yerevan is terrible with regards to keeping secrets. secrets but I'll find I, out. Somewhere. I won't offer it, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll find it some. <laughs> Got it. Al, oh, it's it's always interesting to hear your your insights uh, from from your career. What advice would you give to to young people sort of starting out in their careers now? Um, Don't listen to people my age. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, so, the advice number one. No, I think mo- th- I think there's a lot of obsolete knowledge, but there are things that are time tested and time. I would say read the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People as soon as you can, and actually discuss it because this is something that it, it wasn't like one person's idea. The guy studied like hundreds of other books and success, you know, literature from thousands of years ago through the Bible yeah. to whatever, and he came up with these habits that then he went and interviewed and validated right it's the shortest way from first becoming a good uh, in my opinion like a good person like you're like you're actually that you connect how you are with yourself and your surrounding people around you and that you are you know habit one is like be proactive right like be you know like don't be shy speak up go forward start things that would be advice number one. Is that your favorite habit from the seven? Uh, I my favorite. I mean, there's there's no favorite. They're all favorites. But my favorite one is uh, win seek win win. Like I'm always looking for a win win solution. Okay. I'm never looking like let me maximize for myself because it just never works anyway. It's not sustainable. Mm. Like think about just even your in your own personal relationships, your wife, your kids, cousins, aunts, uncles, parents. Like think about times where you try to maximize for yourself. And you know that it's a detriment for the other person. Just never sustains. Yeah, you won that one battle, but you lost the war. So it's always going back and saying, you know, yes, of course, you have your own goals and whatever, but it doesn't mean that you getting your goals, somebody else has to lose. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's not, it's not a, a zero. zero it's not a zero sum game. And if you look at pretty much all human conflict, what is all human conflict about? All human conflict. What's the source of it? ignorance there's only one problem every other problem 
is a version of that derivative of that one problem, which is ignorance. Mm -hmm. Like if you think you're going to sustain by cheating somebody or by being mean to somebody on a long-term basis and you think you're going to win on a long-term, you're an idiot. You're like a literal idiot. <laughs> and and I think that's where I, it's like, does it feel good? Right. And if you were the other, on the other side, would you take that deal? I mean, any, like it goes from all human relationships. In my opinion, maybe I'm simplifying everything into a book, but life might be much, much more organic and complex than that, but it's not that really, right? I yeah. mean, think about it all over the place, all over the world you go. It's the same thing. They're recognizable patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Treat people like the way you want to be treated. That's a good rule. <laughs> My last question. Um, where do you hope to see Cognize in the in the next five to ten years? You know, Cognize has an, has an opportunity to, I mean, we're doing a lot of original research in AI. And um, our founder, Vahe Andonians, and the, and the team are, they're serious researchers. Like, they seri they're very serious about AI. Uh, and serious meaning like they're putting a lot of time, they love what they're doing. My hope is that Cognis would have as big a mark as big a market cap as no, actually I want I want Armenia's GDP to be bigger. <laughs> <laughs> no, but hey, you know, it could be like we're a we're a major contributor to that, right? Yeah. I think I think we're very lucky because we've got companies like Service Titan, Pixar and others that again just based on people with their drives and their, their ability to kind of entice and encourage others, inspire others. So why not? We have an opportunity. The, the, the thing is that one thing that I'm actively working on is to get tech people to like really take on the education problem hmm. in Armenia. And I, and I say the education problem because it's multifaceted. But if you think about, let's say 20,000 competent IT people that we have, if each of them just adopted five kids, uh, not adopted, like bring into their homes, but sponsored beyond sponsors, like big brother, big sister mm, sort okay. of type mentoring thing where you're kids. like, you're mentoring people across the years, not, right. not just on, on like some subject. Right. Right. So if you think about like, if we could quadruple or quintuple our, competent AI workforce, the country will be unrecognizable. Like we'll go from whatever, 16, 17 billion dollars of GDP to probably 50 billion dollars of GDP. Hmm. And that changes everything, right? Because now it, it's not just the IT that's changing, it changes everything. It changes transportation, changes healthcare, changes you name it, like changes everything, right? So that would be my hope for Cognis to be a we are and we will continue to become more and more serious about that aspect of our our efforts. Yeah. Well, I wish you a lot of luck with that and I, I hope you. we see the, the ripple effects of that impact on the country. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us all. <laughs> <laughs>